Welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies, feminism, and sexuality. I'm your host, Kristen Lighty. And with us today, we have Genevieve Rice. Hey, Hello. Genevieve. <laughs> I'm so pumped to have you on the show. Genevieve is, of course, from Phoenix, Arizona, uh, the driving force behind Bird City Comedy Festival. Super fun festival. Uh, why don't you tell the people a little bit who you are, what you do? All right. Well, uh, I'm, I'm a comic. Uh, I I do run Bird City. Uh, it's we've had uh, three of them all in the spring. Uh, I run a show called Jazz and Jokes, uh, which is a comedy show with jazz musicians. It's mm. awesome, and that's been really fun. Uh, I have a podcast called Taste Buddies Podcast. I just did yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, which is all about food, and uh, it's delight and. Uh, yeah, um, and uh, I'm a human being. You are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and something about Genevieve, she has an amazing sense of style. Even now, just to like lounge around and do podcasts, she's wearing an amazing dress. So oh, I highly you. recommend following her on Instagram. <laughs> and also just for all the glasses too. You always have fabulous glasses. I've I've actually pared down my glasses. No. I um, for, well I've, I I I brought two on this trip. I previously would have brought three or four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I can switch them out. <laughs> Hard times. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> I like your glasses. You have these. You have this really beautiful blue pair. Thank yeah. you. Like they're really cool. Thank you. I've had them for like five, six years now, and uh, everyone's always like, "Did you get new glasses?" <laughs> nope. <laughs> Same ones I've worn forever. <laughs> yeah, I um I I basically started. Well, I've been blind forever. And um, and then a couple years ago, it got worse, and I mm. uh, was like, you know what? I should start wearing glasses and not just mm. pretending to wear contacts <laughs> all the time. <laughs> you know, when I was little, I thought glasses were just the coolest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would fail the school eye exam to be sent to the real doctor to, like, hopefully they would find something. Uh, they never did, and it always made my mom very mad. Uh, but now, when I think when I hit like 29, I needed glasses. And there was this little part of me that was like, yes. Oh, gosh. I had the opposite experience. Like, I I would try so hard at the eye doctor. I just, mm. I would like, I would be like, oh, man, I can't get stuck with the really thick glasses. I gotta, oh. I gotta try. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta try to read that, uh, that low line. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. No, it never worked. They they can't be fooled easily. So. <laughs> 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 <Those> sneaky doctors. <laughs> so I'm curious, what is the first horror movie you remember seeing? I think, um, well, I was uh, unsupervised a lot as a Ooh, child. Hell yeah! <laughs> so um, I would just watch uh, whatever was on. We used to have these Saturday afternoon movies, and I would just watch whatever what was on. Um, like I. That was uh, how I saw Midnight Cowboy. Mm. Um, probably a heavily edited version, <laughs> but still not appropriate for a nine-year-old. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I saw Being There, which has a uh, very prominent masturbation scene. Oh, <laughs> did not see that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one and uh, and very, um, I'd say, relevant to our political landscape right now. Did not know that uh, as an uh, unsupervised eight-year-old, but <laughs> when I saw it. But uh, um, I, one of the first ones I saw was uh, Chucky. Oh, and yeah. how did you feel about it? 
terrified. Yeah. 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 I uh, I was pretty scared. Yeah, there's something about uh, a some like a toy that looks like you would play with as a kid turning on you. You know, yeah. it's supposed to be your buddy, you know? Yeah, yeah, because it basically, it looks like the My Buddy doll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, I just remembered something about him stabbing people with scissors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and he was kind of a little shit. Like, he always had catchphrases. He was a like little <laughs> shit. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, he was. That was, uh, he was a little, uh, little stinker. Um, yeah, I, I watched that. And there were movies that I, um, I found scary that I don't think are scary in retrospect. Like, uh, I thought Gremlins was terrifying. Me too. Spike was terrifying. The lead Gremlin. Was yeah. Th- yeah. I did not care for them. I, I, um, I was at a babysitter's house and, uh, my babysitter had like four or five kids in our charge at a time. And what she wanted us to do was she would put on a movie, uh, for adults <laughs> and then we were supposed to fall asleep. Which I don't, I don't nap now. Like I, I couldn't nap as a kid at all. Like I, so I would just stay up and watch the whole movie, and then be like, "That was, oh my god!" And then mm-hmm. get in trouble. So my parents used to take me to the drive-in, and at the drive-in, the first movie they show is always for the kids, and then the second one is for adults. But I was always like, "Hell yeah, I'm into this one," <laughs> uh, and that is how I saw Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke. <laughs> I was like, "Why do they love hamburgers so much?" I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, my parents would just take me to like any movie, and that's that's how I saw Rob Roy, which has a pretty serious rape scene in it. Oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting that your parents would just take you to any movie, though. Oh, pretty much. What are what are some of the other titles they took you to? <sighs> Let's see what else. Um, my mom says that she that she saw On Golden Pond with me when I was a baby, <laughs> but that came out two years before I was born. Mm. So I suspect my mom just took another baby to <laughs> it. So <laughs> that or um, so your mom is the type that would take a baby to a movie theater, huh? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh geez, mom. Oh geez. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see what else. Uh, uh, there's just a lot of. God, we s- there's a lot of stuff I saw. Princess Bride, for some reason, scared the shit out of me. Hmm. I didn't realize it was a comedy until I saw it in college. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What scared you about it? The torture scene. Oh. And okay. the quicksand. I had weird feelings about the torture scene. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it when I was five. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I mean... It's it's a little sexier when you see it as adult. (laughs) (laughs) I think I saw it when I was like seven, and I was like, I'll certainly be unpacking this later. (laughs) (laughs) For me, I was like, oh, he's almost dead. Oh my god! Like this movie (laughs) is terrifying. I also um, we used to always go to movies late, so I'd miss the beginning of the movie. So I miss your parents are the worst (laughs) theater goers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sorry. I'm sure they're lovely people. Coming in late, bringing a baby. Now I feel like I, I feel like that was much easier to do back then. Like be late to a movie. Now I feel like it was like almost impossible to be late to a movie. Oh my god, yeah. There's so many like previews and commercials and stuff like that. I was at a movie last month and it started 25 minutes after when they said it was. Like who has yeah. time for that? Yeah, I uh, I went and saw Coco 
and in the theater with uh with my husband's family mm-hmm. over thanksgiving and uh they were showing um a frozen short oh yeah yeah and it's it's a real stinker it was like <laughs> 20 minutes wasn't it it's it's like 25 minutes it was apparently it was supposed to air on nbc it was supposed to be like a like a half hour like like holiday special but uh wasn't good enough mm-hmm. uh which is apparent and it's it's real bad it's real saccharine and uh and and also like we were concerned it was so long that we were concerned that like we were in the wrong movie yeah and i guess like a lot of people complained about it and they stopped showing it before yeah actually <laughs> my friend who is she's one of the organizers for an organization called mehente which is like a national immigrant rights group they started a petition to get that shit shut down and it makes sense because like people who are going to see coco it's a lot of small children who have not seen that kind of representation for themselves on the silver screen like that mm-hmm. they're pumped they're excited oh wait no you got to sit through 25 minutes of white ladies like it just <laughs> seems so unfair oh yeah no, i mean like it, it's all about it, it's such a non-problem too it's just like mm-hmm. we don't have any christmas traditions who gives a fuck like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it's just like yeah people got their own celebrations like you know you got each other it was yeah. oh, such a non-problem <laughs> Yeah, I was happy when they took it off because it, it just seemed forced, you know. <laughs> um, so I'm also curious, how do you feel about horror as a genre overall? Uh, I don't really watch a lot of horror movies, so I, mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't seen much. Um, this year I, I saw Hereditary. <gasps> how did you feel about it? I I thought it was scary. Um, I thought it was good. It was, uh, um, but I I I also like. I don't know there's some weird things about it like uh i don't really understand why they were um chopping walnuts at a party yeah it's a bit uh <laughs> out of place yeah uh, but i have been that weird person that decides to cook while drunk so <laughs> 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 luckily never burned down my house i feel like um, that that's a that's a high school party with with some food at it yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i was i'm like okay i respect like making a cake for your high school party <laughs> That's very strange. Um, yeah, I I liked it. It was uh, it kind of reminded me of uh, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, it had that yeah. like quirky moments of humor, like yeah. Rosemary's Baby did. Yeah, it did, and I felt like um, it also like it looked like it was from like the late sixties, like early seventies, like all the decor mm-hmm. to me like looked like it was a lot older. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of the coloring in the film was very like rich and dark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah. I love that movie so much, and I found a lot of my friends who are horror lovers hated it, and I, uh, I don't get it. like I love that movie so much. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. Uh, I did see it late at night um, in a, a theater that I don't enjoy, mm. that uh, is a bit spooky. They've um, <gasps> that's perfect, <laughs> but it <laughs> it's like spooky, like not in a fun way. It's like spooky in a this mall is going on a business way. Oh, have so. you seen <laughs> deadmalls.com? Oh my god, I love dead malls. Ah. <laughs> I I have like okay, I I basically like everywhere I've lived, I've like kept track of all the malls mm-hmm. and like how they're doing and like <laughs> yeah. And like um, on the ground surveying. Yeah, um oh man, there's a couple we have a couple of dead malls in Oklahoma City. Um Crossroads Mall and Heritage Park Mall. 
and uh it's just like i love looking at like all the videos of like of like how it's transformed and like i like hearing about like oh the dillard's is closing um yeah mm-hmm. uh yeah I was working on a joke about, because Goodrich Gavart turned me on to deadmalls.com, and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> and I was working on a joke about how I didn't know that that was my new favorite porn genre, <laughs> like the failings of capitalism. <laughs> no one laughs at it. Thank no, you for laughing. No, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I love it. I, yeah, I, uh, I basically, I, there, I even saw a movie one time uh, on a date. Ooh. about about dead malls uh yeah it was like dying malls and this is like a documentary or yeah oh interesting yeah it is, i remember going to the mall when i was like 13 and you could smoke in the mall <laughs> it was fucking cool <laughs> i just remember like yeah going like with friends and being like dropped off at the mall and like going get earrings at claire's mm-hmm. and and like limited to and yeah oh yeah i had a friend who uh tony schwader he worked at the tilt which was our arcade and he would always like flip the back so you could play for free oh nice uh, <laughs> i worked in the mall for a good amount of time too i worked at a subway and a b dalton books and we just oh, had this nice. like we had this really fun black market trade community <laughs> so like yeah you could get drinks you could get food you could play video games some of our friends worked at hallmark which was weird <laughs> <laughs> I uh I worked I worked at JCPenney and I worked at Sears and uh Nordstrom. Wow. And uh and then I worked I worked at this place called uh, it worked in like a um Oklahoma City has this place called uh 50 Pin Place that was like a upscale mall for a while um in like the 80s and 90s and then it kind of died. Mm. So now that all is left is like maybe an art gallery and a really cool bookstore called the Full Circle Bookstore. Is there an Auntie Anne's? No, oh. there w- no, there wasn't there. But there was like this. There were all the uh, they had really good restaurants, though. They had like a Mediterranean place. Um, they had a like a, a sit down like burger restaurant. And mm. then the the bookstore had like a cafe. So it was like a good food situation, but nothing like a food court. <laughs> But it does sound nice. I did work at I worked at all the the you know the food court malls. Um, I was always a fan of A and W root beer. Mm, we never had one of those in our mall. Uh, our mall had a very large touch of sadness to it. <laughs> there was this place called Diamond Dave's, and oh, no. whenever you walked by, it was like everyone sitting alone at a table, just getting fucking drunk with like their hands in their head, like their head in their hands, and just like. <laughs> it'd be like some horrible like uh herb alpert-esque music <laughs> like what was it like it was a taco restaurant okay um but no one ate there it's just like well, diamond daves that's not a taco restaurant that's <laughs> <laughs> oh you would think it was like david lee roth themed in some way but no it's just it like is emotionally <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's set out to be or not, that is that is his tenor. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Later years, David Lee Roth. <laughs> He's just Kokomo playing very slowly. Or no, Panama. Panama. Kokomo is Beach Boys. Oh, yeah. Jeez, I'm getting my sadness mixed up. Okay. Where were we? Horror. Horror. <laughs> yeah. I, 
<laughs> I would not say I'm a big fan. Um, I don't I don't get scared by some of the traditional things that you like. I don't I don't believe in ghosts, so I don't really I'm not really mm-hmm. scared by ghosts. Um, the, th- the movies that really stick with me are like psychological thrillers. Uh, me too. Um, what's, it, what's like your favorite of those? Uh, I like uh, One Who Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Um, I uh, Let's see. Um, I liked The Shining that we saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though it was only my second time seeing it. Mm. So... Um, but those are, those are the movies that, that uh, Shutter Island I liked. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah. It's like uh, Leonardo, right? Yeah. Uh, I find mental hospitals like the, the scariest. <sighs> Did you watch uh, season two of American Horror Story? I haven't. I, I've only seen one season of American Horror Story. I saw the last one about the uh, election. Mm-hmm. <gasps> I love that. I love that. I love all seasons of that show. I, I Murphy is amazing. I was uh, I like his other work. I, I don't know. It wasn't for me, I don't think. Mm. Yeah. Sorry. It's OK. <laughs> <laughs> it's OK. We can all like our own stuff. It was really I mean, it was really cool. There was like a lot of people I really liked. Like, um, like yeah, that was uh, Billy Eichner was in that season. I love him. Yeah, I loved him, too. And and uh, and Sarah Paulson. She's and so amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Allison from the newsroom. Try to remember her last name. She, everyone was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So for us to talk about today, Genevieve chose the 1980 classic, The Shining, which is of course Stephen Kubrick's take on wait, Stanley Kubrick's <laughs> take on <laughs> on Stephen King's book uh, about a you know a family that's just gonna go and maintain the Overlook Hotel and keep tabs on things. Uh, and not be murdered by their dad, but (laughs) 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 whoops, shit happens. (laughs) So what made you choose this film? Well, I, I, I saw it a couple years ago for the first time. Um, cause I'm, I'm way beyond, I have, there's a lots of like classic horror films I haven't seen. Like Mm -hmm. I've never seen nightmare on Elm streets. Um, pretty much any of the, you know, the Friday, the 13th movies or anything like that. And uh, I saw that a couple years ago and it's, it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we were talking about this earlier. Like I had saw it when I was young and I was not particularly frightened, but I kind of felt let down by it, frankly, when I saw it, because I felt like there wasn't enough interplay with the ghosts and there wasn't enough gore. Uh, and it just it didn't satiate my teenage fix needs of like gore and stabbing. And oh, ah. but it, it's so scary though. Like like uh, it's yeah. a much more likely situation that you'll end up I in an abusive relationship, <laughs> which is very sad. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, now rewatching it as an adult, I feel that tension and that terror in yeah. so many more different ways. Yeah, because you um, you watch it and you're just like. Like that very first scene with uh, with Jack Nicholson, you know, mm-hmm. when he's going for the interview for the hotel and he just sucks right out of the gate. He really does. Yeah. Like, I, I guess that was uh, Stephen King's uh, criticism of the movie was, I guess, they gave him like more of a backstory in in the uh, in the book. I haven't read the book, um, but apparently he has like an abusive father and like 
he witnessed like his father beating his his mother and like that was like a pattern that he had in his life and he was trying to escape it Mm. they don't really i feel like they don't convey that in the movie and i kind of wish they had yeah because i find myself when i was watching it frequently wondering like why the hell is wendy there yeah Mm. yeah (laughs) i know it's like no he's he's bad and and she's kind of like you know and of course he you know he he was a school teacher and he and you know and he lost his job and which i also wondered why he lost his job yeah you know there's something there (laughs) something something bad happened and they didn't explain it in the movie but you you kind of get the hint that something because he's like at one point he's like do you want me to go back and uh work at a car wash mm-hmm. and i'm like there are other options besides a car wash i assume unless you did something real bad yeah no there. he probably did because he seems like a real piece of shit i mean because this is like i'm like your career options aren't just like car wash uh basically like solo hotel car like mm-hmm. caretaker <laughs> like <laughs> yeah speaking of work like there's this scene where wendy is talking about how she wants to leave the overlook because things are getting too weird and jack just snaps on her and is like i signed a contract my reputation is being held here i'm doing all the work but in actuality throughout watching the movie jack has done no work yeah like basically you see her like checking the boiler yeah like i mean first of all like she's it's automatically assumed that she's going to be doing all the cooking for the family Mm -hmm. so she gets she gets a tour of like this big kitchen and everything that's in there then she's like going and like checking the radio and the phone lines and yeah and uh yeah he's just writing (laughs) <laughs> he's not even writing. Yeah, he's he's like throwing a ball <laughs> against a wall. And oh yeah, when he when he told me he's like, uh, when he told me when he when he said that he's like, oh yeah, I'm a writer. I'm like, no, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've met men like you. <laughs> I've met men like you. I've been you. I've been yeah yeah. Writing is a lot. Of, it is a lot of procrastination <laughs> before you actually get your work done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this this always. I feel like this sounds good. Like this whole like, oh, I'm going to be in the I'm going to be up there for five months. I'm going to be alone. I'm not going to have any distractions. No, Mm -hmm. I did a status the other day. I was like, I think I'm going to get a cabin in the woods and write just right. You know, it's like, oh, wait, no, that's the shining. (laughs) 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 I don't even have a family to murder. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so and also Part of the reason why they're on the outs is because uh, he dislocated his son's shoulder, mm-hmm. which his wife, uh, Wendy, explains as just one of those things. Yeah, totally plays it off like no big deal. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Slowly rocking a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And you, Shelly Duvall is, she's she's perfect for this role because she's just kind of, um, I mean, she is kind of she is kind of a shell of a woman that mm-hmm. uh, gathers more strength as she, uh, you know, as the film goes on. Mm-hmm. But you can totally see how she ended up in the situation. Yeah, and I have to say, like when I saw this movie as a teenager, I hated Shelley Duvall and Wendy's character so much, and like for me, it was because I identified 
it was, it was funny because I thought I was a feminist, but like everything I identified with power was very masculine. Yeah. And like Shelley Duvall represents like feminine power in this film. And like there's just this juxtaposition of her being an adult, but like the way they dress her is so childlike. Yeah. Um, she has, well, like she and, uh, and, and really, uh, and Danny too. They have some pretty crazy outfits <laughs> like yeah. like that. Yeah. Like there's that one. Uh, she wears a lot of smocks. I've mm-hmm. noticed. Mm-hmm. And then there's that one. Um, it's like a like a Navajo inspired jacket. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. And then the Apollo <laughs> two sweater that Danny wears <laughs> that uh, he eventually gets strangled in. Yeah, that is. I was like someone hand knit that. <laughs> That's. <laughs> Yeah, terrible clothing. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and the thing about Wendy is, like, in the beginning, she is, like we said, she's so quick to, like, ba- um, make excuses for Jack and cover up the abuse. And, like, I think, you know, wholeheartedly she wants to trust him and believe that he's overcome this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also just, like, how cartoonish her face is. Like, yeah. Like, she's such an amazing actress. And I just, I thought about her a lot in the idea of, like, she's given up her entire life to support her partner's dream and, like, put trust in him that he has overcome these abusive tendencies. And, God damn, I wouldn't do that for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I mean, part of it is I think sh- she thinks he's going to change. She thinks he's going to, he's like, okay, something serious happened. He's trying to make amends. He's, you know, he's hasn't had a, he hasn't been, you know, he's been sober for five months, but he's, he's clearly like off his rocker, like from scene one. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's just like, like you just see him, you're like, oh, that's a bad dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, he, he just like sucks right out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that is so prevalent for a lot of women. You know, like we have this idea that we can help someone and we can change them. Um, yeah. Know, so in that way, I think like Wendy really hits home for a lot of people, probably. Yeah, I mean, there is this idea that well, you don't want to give up on somebody; you want yeah. them to be able to redeem themselves. And but, I, and it, especially that era too, because this was you know, I guess written in the seventies, and you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. How, like that doctor didn't really seem to take you know, the abuse claims that seriously when mm-hmm. she was telling her about it. She was just like, oh, yeah, these things happen. Yeah. And maybe, you know, it was 1980. <laughs> Different time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it was it was very more common to just like stay with a with a man and I guess see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like for me, it was surprising to watch it as an adult and find Wendy to be the hero kind of to me. Yeah. Because uh, you know, she's like trying to keep her family together, trying to provide a safe environment for her son. And ultimately, in the end, you know, making her sure her son gets to safety. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, she seems kind of timid, but I think kind of part of it is she's trying to keep calm. Mm-hmm. Um, basically for her son and for herself. And, and basically her husband has such a, a temper and just flies off the handle. Like, um, I mean, people might take it as weakness, but it's it's really she's just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the while, too, being like gaslit. Oh, yeah, totally. Those scenes between her and Jack, like particularly when he's coming up the stairs and she has the baseball bat 
and he's coming at her and he he feels he knows she won't hit him but she's like taking these meek swings um you know and he is like mocking her <sighs> as he's doing it and like there was something in that that was so terrifying to me to yeah. think that your partner would do that yeah it's like you can't even hit me you know yeah <laughs> Like and then, ooh, she does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then she locks them in the uh, the pantry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, jumping back a little bit, there are, speaking of Jack's character, there is a sex scene where, you know, Danny comes in screaming that he was attacked. Um, I don't know. He, we find out he was attacked, and then Wendy finds out it was a woman in room 237, so Jack goes, and there's a sexy lady taking a bath. <laughs> uh, but then it's not a sexy lady. It's an old rotting lady. Yeah. Well, he just, he's very, he, he goes in there, like, almost like he's expecting to find this woman. Mm-hmm. And, like, basically, like, she gets out of the bathtub, and, like, and then she's already hot to trot. Like, mm-hmm. she's, I mean, she's into it. She's, they're making out within a few minutes, you know, and, uh doesn't ask for any questions he's not like hey uh you strangled my son you Mm -hmm. know you know like just just going at it and then then he's like oh gross you're all moldy and (laughs) yeah um i i felt like he was uh yeah i just kind of expected that yeah 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 i know when we were talking you said that he felt entitled to this woman and her body and i was like yeah that's kind of the attitude jack gives is just like I'm a douchebag writer and women should throw themselves at me. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, of course you, of course you want me. Um, yeah. I'm the only man in this hotel, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> None of those twenties dudes will do it for you. So. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing that like Jack really spoke to me about, and it made me kind of reflect on my own dating history is like, God, it really must be awful to date a creative person. <laughs> Oh, yeah, just that one that one scene where he's in the big room mm-hmm. and he's typing and then she comes over to tell him some Wendy comes over to tell him something and he's just like he screams at her. He's just like he's like, if I'm in here typing, you don't you don't come in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I've I've heard that about a few artists over, you know, uh, I heard that about uh, Richard Scary. Mm, really? <laughs> the the, il- the child book and illustrator. <laughs> I heard that. I'm doing my work. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I heard that he would just like hole up in like a, a Swiss chalet and his like wife was not, not to contact him during the day. And I'm like, that's a bummer. Mm-hmm. Like you ha- made some of the most delightful creations and just have this. But but I will say, though, like when you're in the you know, when you're writing, there is you don't want to be interrupted. I often find it too before a set, like 20 minutes before a set. Oh, don't yeah. talk to me. I, yeah. You know, I just want to sit and stare into space and like go into that, like in the zone. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's hard, too, because if you have friends that come to shows, they're always like, hi, hey, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a new pair of pants. And you're just like, shh. Yeah, that's the thing about yeah, like having friends at a show. Like yeah, it, when they you're not you're not a normal person. Mm-hmm. Like that you know that thirty minutes before a show, and like there's other you're like you know looking at how the crowd's reacting and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and maybe thinking about your set and like which jokes you want to do and which jokes you thought you wanted to do, and you're like oh they're not reacting to this. So yeah, it's 
yeah but you have to be a person eventually yeah <laughs> so <laughs> you have to be a person uh to be an artist so you have to like find that balance because mm-hmm. if you're just artist all the time then you're no one will want to be with you yeah you're just <laughs> no good like <laughs> Uh, so another thing I was thinking about in this film is um, Danny and Dick's connection. You know, they both mm-hmm. can do the shine, as Dick calls it. Um, and I just, I really loved their relationship, and I wish we could have seen more of that in the film. Yeah, um, I forgot that this film was pretty racist. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I was like, oh, there's some hard, hard uh, R. In, inward R's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three times. Yeah. Um, they're basically like that's and that's what um, that's when Grady Grady says basically like, you know, your son has a gift and he's he's using it to communicate with a uh, word, you mm-hmm. know, to come to the hotel. And then that sets Jack off like like basically like he's very willful. Mm-hmm. He's very willful. He needs to be punished. He's corrected. Be corrected. Yes. Mm. Yeah. which was interesting to me like I you know maybe it's more of the moment that we're in that I'm reading this into it but I felt like that was a metaphor for dismantling white supremacy Mm -hmm. in that you know it's really about younger generations of white people doing that work understanding white privilege and and really us dismantling it and I feel that's represented because um you know, so often in our conversations about race, like there's this expectation for people of color to do the work of educating white people. And it's mm-hmm. it's problematic because like the structure of power rests on white privilege. Right. So yes. like that's not going to be taken from us in any way. We have to do the work to dismantle that. And there's this scene where like Dick is coming to Danny and you get this feeling that like Dick's going to save the day. You know, he took a plane to be there and then from Miami, from Miami, (laughs) where it's not snowing buckets. Yeah. (laughs) And then it's 30 seconds in the door. Dick gets axed by Jack. And it was just such a crazy anticlimactic scene. Yeah. Like what is going on? And to me, it kind of spoke to me in that way of like, oh, yeah, this if it if this is a metaphor for white supremacy, it's Danny that has to be the one that picks up and do this work. Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's such a bummer. And I mean, and he's also like, uh, I mean, yeah, Dick was, I mean, he's the chef. He's mm-hmm. the chef of this restaurant. Also, I noticed in, in the overlook, there's chef's office. I've never seen a chef's office before in my life. <laughs> well, I guess there would be like at a fancy hotel like you know like you know it's a nice big like commercial kitchen and I mean mm-hmm. he's spending his off time in Miami he's got a nice oh, yeah, life I suppose. Yeah. he's got a he's got a nice uh naked portrait over his <laughs> too <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, sh- I made a note about those portraits as well it's like it's so could you imagine him just having a lady over and like her look like oh those are uh, my art (laughs) (laughs) yeah my art for those of you who haven't seen the shining in a while there are two very naked women in two paintings in dick's bedroom and they are very provocative um beautiful black women um but very naked (laughs) perfect to lie in bed and watch the news (laughs) (laughs) 
the weather reports. And it was like kind of crazy because he is just like this sweet older man watching the weather and then like naked ladies. Like, it's kind of shocking. <laughs> but I, I, I think part of it, I mean, so much of this movie is visual. I mean, like basically it's, it's all supposed to be so jarring. Mm-hmm. And part of it is just just the decorations of the era like it was a time that um where pink and gold and avocado green and orange yeah were just everywhere i mean just just in normal circumstances and like that's a lot of the coloring of the movie i mean that and also the snow and then of course i mean so there there were a lot of images that would just uh kind of pop by and they would uh add to the surrealism of the film mm-hmm. yeah speaking of surrealist moments in the film what do you think the blowjob between um what's his name dilbert grady and the man in the bear suit meant <laughs> okay well i did i did some research on this oh good um because and um i would say i'm still kind of unsure <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> apparently and in, in the original novel, um, there was this whole subplot about uh, there is this like Howard Hughes type millionaire who um, who basically who put a lot of money in the hotel. And he was supposed to be one of the, like the old timey party goers. And um, he put in a lot of money in the hotel. And then there is this guy at the party who um, who was bisexual and wanted to please him. And he asked if he could you know, pleasure him. And he was like, only if you do it in a dog costume, only if you're a good boy or something like that. So apparently in the book, there was a scene where, um, Wendy sees, you know, basically like this older gentleman, uh, getting pleasured by a man in a dog suit, some puppy play, but, um, yeah, I, I think part of it, was uh but in the movie it's a little different because there's you know they don't have that backstory with the developer mm-hmm. um if they did i missed it um but mm-hmm. i don't think so no no um they they basically they they have grady and they have man in a bur- in a bear suit and he's going down and wendy sees it towards the end of the film and um i think i think it kind of speaks to um well first of all the bear is on a very submissive position i mean he's not only giving a blowjob he's he's a man in a bear costume with his bum flap open yeah <laughs> it is not a good bear costume <laughs> no. it's it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely like it, it's it's definitely like a, a 1930s like cost like bear costume that's you know you, you watch I, I love looking at like old halloween costumes because they're just so shitty <laughs> like <laughs> just just bare representations of whatever you're supposed to be <laughs> so um so it's basically like and and she's i feel like it's supposed to be surreal but i think it's also supposed to be like um you know a flash of submission because she's in a submissive you know position with her husband and uh I think it's supposed to be part of uh, what she's what she's seeing and and basically the images that um, that are kind of going through her mind. Mm. So that's very insightful. I guess I could be way off, but 
uh, it could also be that uh, Stanley Kubrick uh, really liked that scene and wanted to include <laughs> it at all costs. So, <laughs> so it'd be great in if every Kubrick movie there was like a weird bear blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> it was like uh, like with uh, Christopher Walken and and, and dancing. You know, or something. <laughs> Just an artistic choice, you know? Don't worry about it. Hmm. I guess, like, for me, one of the biggest themes in this film is, is the question of if we can change as human beings, you know? And I think there's the line between... Um, Delbert, that name just does not roll off the tongue, you know? Yeah. Delbert, Grady, and Jack... And he's telling him, you've always been the caretaker. And, and like, in the end, we see that photo of the caretaker as Jack. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, it kind of stood out as this idea of, like, if this is in your brain and in your being, it will always be in you. And maybe even possibly it's something that you pass throughout your family as learned behavior. But also, like, it speaks to the nature-nurture element as well in the and, um and I guess I'm curious what you think. Like, can people change? Can people change? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think you can. I mean, I would like to think that people can change or they can at least minimize uh, some aspects of themselves. Like mm-hmm. they can they can put themselves in better situations. They can remove uh, themselves from like toxic relationships. Uh, they can recognize patterns in their life and try to break them. Um, I think you probably, I mean, I think what he's, what they're trying to do, you know, is have a change of scenery. I mean, they're basically, they were in Vermont, uh, that now they're in a kind of a, I, I kind of thought a dingy apartment in Boulder. Probably. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, and then they were, um, and then they're like, okay, we're going to stay at this hotel and it's going to be a change of scenery and it's going to be, you know, I can write, we can kind of i can bond with my family i can kind of refresh a relationship it's very hopeful thinking mm-hmm. without really doing any of the work yeah yeah so oh, that's so interesting that it's just it's so catastrophic because he never did any of the real work yeah no and like he he quit drinking but you kind of when you know as as you know when you quit drinking like you kind of have to, you have to do you have to figure out your triggers and why you do it mm-hmm. and like you know what motivated you to drink and you have to avoid those situations and you can't just like go in a hotel and all right there's no booze there i Mm -hmm. mean you're gonna you're gonna chafe against that if you haven't done the work one of my favorite sayings is wherever you go there you are yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) i know i i'm i i can be kind of a messy person and like i try i try to like clean up and you know but you know, I am um, everywhere I go. I'm like, um, I'm already I already created a mess in there that I had to clean up. <laughs> I've been here one day, which like, is hilarious yeah. because this place <laughs> is sparkling compared to my hotel room. <laughs> well, you I've also closed the door to my bedroom. So oh, yeah. I don't have clothes <laughs> everywhere. And yeah. <laughs> but uh, did any other themes jump out at you in the film that we didn't touch on? Um. Well, one thing I thought about was, I mean, they also, uh, the the hotel was built on a uh, Indian burial ground. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. so prevalent in so many <laughs> of Stephen King's books. Yeah. And uh, that was, 
I was like, wow, was that like a like a trope back then? <laughs> yeah, like that's because <laughs> they they have like no reaction when they're being told that when they're touring the hotel, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. No, I'm out of here. Yeah, <laughs> rethink that. I, I've noticed in a lot of Stephen King movies and like movies from the 80s too, like Indian Burial Ground is used, uh, you know, as this like mystical trope. And it's funny for me growing up because, you know, I had a lot of native friends mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, I never thought like <laughs> my friends had any like mystical ability or like, you know, it's just, it's weird to see your friends stereotyped in that way. And yeah. Um, I'm, I'm from Oklahoma and it was Indian tor- territory for, mm-hmm. a, for a while, um, until very notably wasn't. <laughs> so, yeah. um, yeah. So there's, I mean, there was, you know, like I, you know, they kind of mentioned like some decor in the, you know, that they incorporated in the, in the hotel and they're just like oh these are authentic like navajo designs and i'm like no they're not <laughs> <laughs> yes yes the green and gold bathroom is yeah this. <laughs> you know it's it's just like like the white white person nod to that to that culture like that's like so many so many places think that's enough i mean mm-hmm. like pretty much any camp you've gone to has had Oh God! Taken yeah. some uh, very broad stab mm. at <laughs> Native American culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very true. Yeah, and um, I mean, I don't know. And being from, you know, I'm in Arizona too. There's there's a lot of, uh, which is you know, we have a big Navajo reservation and several reservations in our state. Like, um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, whitewashing. Mm-hmm. And just dumbing down of of that culture that's being repackaged to basically white Americans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Get that tourist dollar. Yeah. Um, so, what are your favorite parts of this film? What are your favorite parts of the abusive dad uh. movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, I did. I actually really did. I I like look the visual. Um, the visuals of the movie are just incredible, and mm-hmm. it is. I, I don't get scared that easily and I was scared I it, you know it makes you think and it makes you um I yeah but uh it's and I do like that I do like that era I do like a nice like I mean my my uh my house was built in 1971 mm. so I like I like all the orange and the pink and I was like god this this hotel is groovy I like it <laughs> so <laughs> Um, I thought that was, uh, pretty interesting and, um, yeah, I don't know if I could be that remote though. No, No. I like to think I could, that I would go into that creative space, but I think I would totally turn into Jack. (laughs) No, I, I, I definitely like, I I mean, they had TV and stuff. They had Mm -hmm. TV and, you know, they can kind of explore the grounds, but there was periods where they couldn't even go outside really. Yeah, yeah, five months with no other people. Like, I, I kind of, I like people. I'm kind of an extrovert, and like, I think I would be really sad. I, I'm more introverted, but like, yeah, I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I think I would. I think I would go crazy real fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I think um, I'm trying to think. My favorite part of this movie, I love everything with Danny. 
Yeah. And I loved his little bike that he rides around on. Oh, yeah. That seemed gr- that seems great. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And there's that scene where he's scared and he wants to get away quickly. So mm-hmm. he like spins the back tire with his hand and <laughs> drives off. It just seems like he's such a little man. And then, of course, when the twins show up mm-hmm. and they're like, it's such an iconic scene of the come play with us, Danny and the blood through the hallway. And I wonder how they did that because it was 1980. So part of me is like, did you actually like dump gallons of blood down this hallway? I heard it took something like like nine days to set up. Wow. Like, um, well, the I'm thinking of the elevator scene with mm-hmm. the with the blood coming out. That took like nine days to set up, and uh, and Kubrick uh, shot it three times. Wow. Because he likes to do multiple takes. And I guess uh, some of the actors were very upset with the fact that he likes multiple takes. <laughs> um, yeah, because, uh, yeah, Scatman Carruthers. What a great name. I by know. The way. <laughs> like, the, his parents knew he was going to be a star. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And this, he, he did this movie, and then the next movie he did was uh, Believe Dirty Harry with Clint Eastwood. And Clint Eastwood likes to do one take. Mm. He was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that would be a huge change of pace. So do you think twins were creepy before The Shining or did The Shining make twins creepy? I think I think twins have always been creepy. Yeah, they are, right? I, I think, God, I'm trying to think of what other, uh, yeah, because I feel like it, it didn't help for mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> um, I do kind of wonder, I'm trying to think of what twins there were before then. I mean, besides... Um, Siamese twins and sideshows, mm-hmm. which I mean, I yeah, uh, and were they twins or were they sisters that were dressed similarly? Oh, because I I thought one of them was a little bit bigger than the other. One was a little taller. Yeah, uh, I I you know whenever people dress each other alike, I just take it as twins. Yeah, I do too, and like, yeah, my my mom would occasionally dress my sister and I like <gasps> alike. Ew. And it was the worst. <laughs> and how old is your sister? My is she older or younger? She's two years younger. Oh. And um oh God. There was one time she did it and it was um when we took our uh church photos for the front hall. So for years, they was up there for like three or four years where our, our photo was like my mom and like my sister and I and unhappily dressed <laughs> in the same outfit I, <laughs> can i just say i love photos before they went digital because like your parents couldn't see that you were mad or angry or making a face so you got to keep it <laughs> i feel like they could see it but they didn't care oh. it was <laughs> though one of my favorite my favorite photos was uh on easter my sister got <laughs> really mad she got really mad like right before we were taking photos and it was like it was weird it's it's not like now where you take selfies and stuff like that all the time uh, it was like whatever you took was uh how you looked mm-hmm. <laughs> <So> <laughs> there's one where she's just like she makes this face that's just so dark and uh and everyone else is smiling looks good we're all in like our sunday best and she's just like <laughs> i love those moments so much and it's, it's such a, i that photo is great i would okay. love a copy of that photo <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that was, but that was, uh, yeah, you just, you just took photos at like special occasions and that's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So any, uh, what are your final thoughts on The Shining? Uh, well, I kind of want to read the book now. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I really, I've only, I haven't read very much Stephen King. I read, uh, I read 11, uh, 2363. I think that's the date. <laughs> <laughs> it's either 1120. Numbers. One of those. I read that one and then I read, uh, The Dome, uh, or Under the Dome, and that's about it. I haven't read any of his books. I've seen movies and TV shows, um, of varying quality. <laughs> mm hmm. And, um, yeah, um, but I'm, yeah, I'm interested. Nice. Yeah. Well, it has been so awesome talking with you. Where can people find out more about Genevieve Rice? All right. Well, uh, probably the best way is to follow me on social media. I am at Genevieve Rice on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram. I have a website out there, but I haven't updated it since 2014. <laughs> so You want to find out about 2014, Genevieve. Yeah, I, I had some good things going on <laughs> back then. Uh, I, I also I have a podcast, uh, the uh, aforementioned uh, Taste Buddies, uh, which you can find on iTunes and, and Stitcher and, uh, and other places I am forgetting now, but you know what I'm saying. Any podcatcher. Um, out there and uh yeah uh that's that's pretty much otherwise you can uh take a peek at um uh, my linkedin uh <laughs> i'm sure i've got a um you need to buy a house <laughs> yeah i'm also i'm also uh, if you live in uh central arizona i am a licensed realtor and i can help you uh buy or sell a house so hell yeah <laughs> so Awesome. That's been Genevieve Rice. I've been Kristen Lighty, and this has been Bloody Mary. Have a good night. Yay. (laughs) 